Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined here with my co-host, Wheeler. Today we have a good podcast ahead of y'all. We've got some Auburn basketball coverage, which will probably be the only coverage we have until you know the season starts getting a little bit closer. This is a fun kind of uh, kind of out of body experience almost being able to cover Auburn basketball extensively at this time of the year with Auburn coming in with the foreign tour uh, in Israel. The Tigers played three games, two and. One, two, and lost the final one against the U.S. national team. So, Wheeler, why don't we just start? Israel with... national team. Yeah, not that's what I said. U.S. Right? national team. Oh no, no, no! The Israel national. I may have misspoke. I'm not sure, but anyway. So, obviously, they played the U20 team. I believe we talked about that briefly in the last podcast. Absolutely annihilated them. Was not close. Was not competitive. Learned very little about the team because they just manhandled them. But the next two games were a little bit more competitive, starting with the uh, game against the Israel All-Star Select team. So, Wheeler, why don't you just kind of start with your little, a little bit of a breakdown. The final score was 107-71. to 71. So, obviously, it was not the most competitive game, but the first half, it was 53-41 at the half. What were your thoughts about that game and seeing kind of how the difference was made between seeing how they played against guys that were their age compared to playing grown men? Uh, just with this game against the All-Star Select team, what were you thinking kind of during that game? I immediately thought Johnny Broom is for real. That is my biggest takeaway, I think, that this guy comes from a mid-major level, and you never know what the transition's going to be like, and he's playing against guys that are holding guys that we had on our team to their normal stat line. You know, like, stat-wise, Everybody kind of stayed where they were last season, which means that the level of competition was about right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like the U20 team where I was like, Wendell's going to windmill on somebody. I don't even know if Wendell can windmill on air, but he can do it against these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and he balled out. And then he balled out again against the national team. Um, he's going to be for real. He's he's going to be really good. He's not, I don't know that he'll be as good as Walker. But Walker was, like, otherworldly. You know, yeah. like, you can't replace a first-round NBA draft pick that just kind of came out of nowhere with another guy that just comes out of nowhere and is an NBA first-round pick. Um, but three blocks against the national team, he look, he just looks like he's comfortable playing against all of these different opponents, and I think he's going to have a really solid season this year. Um, and then Westry. Oh, buddy. Chance Westry is a dog. That guy is so good. He, mm-hmm, he's the next one. 
He is the future. Let me just tell you right now, he's a guy that you build the whole rest of the team around for this season. And I, I know everybody is like, okay, you need to calm down. No, like this guy is going to be our best player, I think. Um, And I, I wouldn't hate putting him at the point. I mean, I know that you've got Zepp and Wendell, but you kind of want this guy to have the ball on a lot of your possessions. Or I could see him being, in, I mean, obviously, in the starting lineup. I, I could see Zip actually starting over Wendell again this year solely because your starting lineup is going to have a lot more scores and you're going to want the scoring ability out of Wendell when he needs to hold on to the ball. Whereas when you've got your starters on the floor, I think we've got more talented scorers than Wendell. I just do. I think Chance is more talented at scoring. I think Allen can probably get back. He looked better in this tour than he did when he was last season, I thought at least. Um, his step at least looked better. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, the big men, Dylan looked really good. Johan looked really good. Everyone actually looked good. Like, it was one of those rare times. I don't want to just be the hype dude, but, like, they looked like a really good basketball team because this was – I mean, they had a couple of practices. This was not even ready for the season, polished practice. And think about how much better Bruce teams get as the season progresses. Like, this is a really, really good basketball team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. And I also think something that you need to, you know, take into account with if someone didn't necessarily meet your expectations, the first thing – the ball is different. And, you know, obviously, Auburn fans, you know, you don't want to think, oh, well, like, the ball is that big of a difference. But also, Auburn fans are the biggest expert about basketballs. I mean, with the whole Wilson and Nike ball, I mean, like, there are a lot of Auburn fans that have gone into extreme detail about how important the basketball is in the game. The FIBA basketball is known. The international basketball is known for being more difficult to play with than a real basketball because it has so much less grip. These guys, this is their first time playing. I mean, Johan, he's probably played with it before. The rest of these guys, I, I mean, if you ever played pickup basketball, you've never played with an international ball. You just don't because we don't have international balls because no one plays an international ball in America. So I definitely think that that was something that, you know, mention was a little bit different. Also, their games are at 8 o'clock, their time. You know, in Israel, they were playing at 8 o'clock. And – if you know, I mean, when they have a game in Auburn, they don't really do much the whole day. Like, they just don't. Like, they have their little scooters that they ride around campus with. They don't really exert themselves that much in a day. You know, when they have a basketball game that night, they put all their energy into that. When they were in Israel, they weren't really doing that. They were walking around. They were seeing all the sites. They were, you know, getting a tour of Israel. So, and if you've ever been on vacation, you know, to a place that is, you know, a heavy walking city or anything, if you've been to like a Washington, D.C. or a Boston, something like that, you walk all day, you get back to your hotel, you're a little tired, probably not ready to play a basketball game. And obviously they've, I mean, they probably weren't walking around the entire day, but they were walking around a little bit that day. So I do think it's something to mention that it seemed like the goal of this foreign tour from Bruce's perspective was to be an educational trip for the players was to be a fun trip for the players and was to get better at the game of basketball and build chemistry. I think that obviously you want to win, but I don't really think winning was necessarily, 
you know, at the forefront of Bruce's mind. Obviously, the players are giving it they're all trying to win. But I do think that the goal, the goal is obviously you want to go three and zero in the tour. But there were other things that Bruce wanted more than going three and zero in the tour. That in the long run means absolutely nothing. With that being said, talking about the game against the All Star Select team, uh, Johan Treor had a fantastic game, and really, I I thought in the off season, I thought that Jalen Williams would be a guy that would step up and increase his level of play and earn the starting power forward position. I'm starting to waver a little bit in that, and I don't think Jay Will is necessarily worse. I think he's just closer to the same, whereas I think Johan is really exceeding expectations. I mean, obviously, you know he's a five-star. He's a stud. He's got to learn the offense a little bit better, but the guy can play basketball. So I, I'm thinking right now Johan will be the starter. I think Janai Broom, especially in this game or in this tour, really solidified himself as the best true center on the roster, and we'll get into you know his stat line against the national team in a little bit. Um, I, I agree with what you said, Chance Westry. The man had 18 points and seven steals against the Israel All-Star Select team. He had that one sequence where he literally just had three straight steals, and it was just like, this guy's just toying with them. So I really do think that he can be a big-time player. He reminds me a little bit of Isaac Okoro kind of as an early player. You know, I would say that Chance Westry, I would say his – Offensive game is a little bit more polished all across the board, but I do think Isaac's inside scoring was better than Westry's was at this point in time. And obviously Isaac had a slight leg up defensively, but Westry is still a fantastic defender. So I think that those are, you know, kind of comparable players and it'll be interesting to see how they go in their kind of freshman seasons. But I still think we're still, we still might be missing that guy, you know, because when you look at that 2020 team you had, which I think, you know, we've been talking about this a lot. That was the team. The 2020 team was the team that we compared this team the most in offseason, preseason, all that. You've got a guy like Janai Broom that will be a better version of Austin Whiteley. He's going to be getting rebounds, getting blocks, and he'll be a bigger scoring presence than Whiteley was. At the four, you have an upgrade. Johan is a much better four. Johan or Jay Will are going to be a better four option at the four than Danjel. Isaac Okoro was Isaac Okoro. But I think the biggest thing, you had Javon and Samir. And I think Samir was just a really good scorer. He was just a great player that when you needed a bucket, you give him the ball, you let him score. Or Javon, even Javon in the clutch, you could give him the ball, he could get you some points. When his best, when his jersey got ripped, he got that 55 with no number on it, he balled out. So I think that's the biggest thing we're looking for in this game, in this team is who can you just give the ball to and say, hey, get me a bucket. And honestly, this might be a hot take right now. I think it's Janai Broom. I think that he is the guy that you feed the ball to and you just say, look, you work your magic, work your moves, get us a bucket. I think that ideally you want it to be a guard because there's more of a, you know, a range of how they can score. But from what I've seen, Westry, it could be Westry. It definitely could be Westry. But from what I've seen, and, you know, this will be kind of our transition with how we saw it against the national team, Janai Broom had 18 points, 11 rebounds, and three blocks against a national team. And honestly, the Israeli national team, they're not ranked amazing. But the thing that you have to consider is that a lot of the time, teams that are teams like Israel are weird because they don't have their best players playing in a lot of qualifying games. Because you've got 
Avija obviously is playing in the NBA, and that's his focus: is playing in the NBA more so than playing in a national, you know, playing for his country when it's not the World Cup or you know the Olympics or something like that. So I think that with Avija, he is not playing in as many games as all the other players. You've got Jan Madur. He was, you know, he's playing in Serbia, I believe. He was a second round pick in 2020 in the NBA draft. Chance that he gets called up to the NBA in the next two years. So these guys are focused on, you know, Avija's focused on playing in the NBA. Madur's focused on his team, his club team in Serbia, getting to the NBA. I think that it's something to mention that while Israel is not necessarily ranked, as the best team in FIBA by any means. They're a good basketball team. They're experienced. They're old. They were, I mean, the average age is 28 and a half. I mean, that's like, I mean, that's not old, old, but it's like, that is most people's prime. If you look at professional basketball players, the prime is 29 to 31, typically. And that is exactly where the Israel national team was. You can see it. Their chemistry was incredible. Their ball movement was flawless. I mean, watching the game, you can tell, one of these teams is a professional, and one of these teams is amateurs. Uh, so I think Auburn did a good job of kind of hanging with them. I think Wendell had kind of his signature. He had 19 points. I think that was kind of his signature thing. He's kind of shooting a lot, just trying to get stuff to work. But I thought Janai Broom was the guy that looked that impressed me the most in that game from just a perspective of giving him the ball. He's working his magic, and he's – He's work, you know, like he's he's working and getting the points. Whereas Wendell, it felt like he was just going really hard to see what stuck. Where it seemed like Broom was more so directing what he was doing. So I I'm very high on Janai Broom after this, you know, kind of uh, foreign tour, and I'm interested to see what happens. Obviously, we're both pretty high on Chance Westry. Wheeler, do you think that your perception of the starting lineup has changed? from the foreign tour, and obviously it's really early to start predicting a starting lineup, but just kind of give us your tentative kind of a group that you think could be the starting five and a group that you think would be the best coming off the bench to complement the starting five when they're out. You've got to have Zepp, Westry, Allen, Johan, Janai. Drop the mic. That is really tough for Jalen Williams. And for Dylan Cardwell. And I hate to say it. I really do. I hate to say it. But that that's the best five people you have on your basketball team. That's a really big lineup. But that's going to be your best lineup, I think. I do like that match, especially just looking at it from a college basketball perspective. Is If you've got a guy that's 6'6 at your two, that's a great size. I mean, that's, I mean, you look at kind of what Kansas had this past season. They had a ton of size, ton of length in their starting lineup, and obviously it worked out very well for them. But I do think that that can help. It makes your it makes your bench unit a little bit smaller. But I do think having I mean, if you have Wendell and KD coming off the bench, that's score. I mean, that is a I mean that if you I mean with with what you said, you would have Wendell, KD. Um, Dylan and Jay Will all coming off the bench and possibly a Chris Moore backing him up as kind of one of the tenth guys. So that's that's a score. That is a lineup that can score. I mean, obviously Dylan's not exactly a scoring big. Jay Will can score the basketball. Wendell and KD are both scorers. So I think that that could 
really be an interesting lineup to watch um, as the season goes on. But I still I, – I, I think the biggest thing that we just have to identify is the guy and the star of the team because every team has to have that. Every team has to have that bucket getter, that guy that is just better than everybody else when, it, when the chips are down. He's going to look like the best player on the floor. And I think we have some guy, we have some candidates for that. I just think with Wendell, I think he's he's a really solid player. I think he elevates his game when he needs to. But I just still think he's just a little too inconsistent. And I just don't know if that's going to be – if that problem will be solved by this upcoming basketball season or if he's still going to be similar to the Wendell we saw last year where he's, you know, a little streaky. But – I, I don't know. I think it'll be interesting to see how the guards play, but I do think that Chance Westry, I think he fits playing as a guard. If you can manage to have him as a guard, not turning the ball over, playing him as a combo guard, one to two kind of player, and then you can deal with having Al, with Alan Flanagan at the three, keep that defense, keep that experience in the starting lineup. I think that's that would be a really valuable, really valuable thing to have. I agree, but I – it's like you said, I think having the size in your starting lineup and then having the scoring ability of your kind of reserve players, the only thing that I'm not sure of is what the dynamics of the team are going to be and if you're going to want to put, like, a KD Johnson in the starting lineup to give you some fire, mm-hmm. you know, because that's – we don't know the personality of these guys yet, and I feel like Bruce is one of those coaches that doesn't always – pick the five that are the best five, he picks the five who personality-wise are achieving what he wants to achieve. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's not going to play a guy that's not very good just because he has a cool personality. (laughs) But it's like he wants it to mesh well. And so you don't need to put all of your, like, super fiery guys in one lineup and then just have a low-energy lineup. Exactly. You definitely – and I will say, having KD in the starting lineup last season – made home games even more electric because as a just the way he plays and even if he doesn't and if he's not technically in the starting lineup he's still going to get a lot of minutes but when KD's getting 30 minutes a game he's got at least four moments every home game where he just loses his mind and is just screaming if he gets a turn or you know if he forces a turnover he's losing his mind the student section's going wild that's the kind of thing that you love to see on your team and obviously, there's, you know, Zepp's not exactly going to bring that. You know, like Zepp is much more of a, he's going to play basketball. He's going to push the intensity. He's going to run the offense. He's going to do his job. But he's not the kind of guy, he's not like a Dylan or a KD that is in danger of just jumping into the stands in the middle of the game just to get excited. You know, and I think it'll be interesting to see how kind of the newcomers fit into that. Obviously, you know, Janai Broom and Johan both seem to be a little bit more reserved not reserved but not necessarily as vocal as a dylan or a kd chance is someone i could see a little bit more feeding off the intensity of the crowd and just kind of you know buying into that so i do think it'll be interesting to see but also who do you think from you know and all just kind of everything if you consider everything about them and their game Obviously, you think Chance is going to start. Out of Wendell, Zepp, and KD, who do you think is the most likely to start alongside Chance? And do you think it would change? Like, if you're going to start Wendell, would you put Chance at the 
at the two. If you're going to start Zeph or KD, put Chance at the one. Like, kind of, who would you say, what guard do you think would fit and complement West Street the most? I'm going to say this, and I do not know these people very well, and I've watched two games with these people. The impression that I get, though, is that Chance and Jabari are both very good basketball players. Jabari's mentality was, I'm going to get to the league no matter what. It's all about the team. If somebody else wants to take the ball and do whatever and lob up 40 shots when I haven't gotten many, he's not going to go yell at them. The impression I get from Chance is that he's going to look at Wendell and say, look, man, I'm better than you. I'm going to the NBA. Give me the daggum ball. Probably not going to say daggum. But you know what I'm saying. He he doesn't seem like the, oh, yeah, like G League guy. Let's uh, go give you the game-winning shot. You know, like, oh, yeah, we're all about the team. He may be all about the team, but the reason that he wants the shot is because he's all about the team. Because he's like, I'm going to make the shot. You know? Yeah, I think you did see – I think you did see that a little bit more from Jabari, especially in like that Mississippi State game, you could see it. But I do agree with what you're saying. I think that Jabari would say that, but he was much more all about the team that if Wendell gets a game-winning shot. Until Wendell had missed a few before he was like, okay, dog. like Give me the ball. Give me the ball. And so I don't know what the dynamic is going to be because that's the interesting thing about team sports is that outside of the talent – there's always how the team meshes together. And I think it's going to be who, just from what I saw, I see Zep working best with Chance. I could be totally wrong, and they could all be best friends and Chance be like, yeah, Wendell, you take the game winning shot. And there's nothing wrong with the first way. There's nothing wrong with the second way. That's just the way that I see it right now. There was nothing wrong with the way Jabari did it. Um. And there's nothing wrong, honestly, with Wendell taking the last shot. Like, he's a capable guy to take the last shot. I'm not saying that he shouldn't have been taking the last shot. I was defending him. He was a good shooter. Like, wasn't a bad thing having him take the last shot. But also – He's just got to start making those last shots. Yeah, especially when you've got a guy that's going to be an elite scorer, different personalities mesh differently. And Katie and Wendell both have a tendency that when their shot's not on – Instead of letting it be and figuring out in practice, they're going to try and shoot out of that slump all game long. And I don't know how that's going to play with a new group of people. Yeah, and I think it'll be interesting to see. And, you know, obviously when Chance is kind of off, is he going to – how he's going to treat it? Because, you know, Isaac – Isaac didn't have many off games at all at Auburn. But when he did – I think if it was mainly his shot wasn't falling, he would just kind of go and be like, okay, I'm just going to play elite defense and – be a playmaker. Now, granted, that didn't happen that often, but I do think Isaac did know in big moments he knew to step up. Like in that Iron Bowl, he knew to step up and, you know, take control. So I think it'll be interesting to see the maturity level in some of these guys on if they – Isaac was just such an interesting player and because he was he played like he was already in the NBA. He, he, he was so smart. He knew the game. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see if Chance can come in and fill somewhat of what that role is. Because I really – the team – the composition of the team is eerily similar. I mean, it, it, like, 
if Jaywell started over Johan, it's extremely similar because you'd have Dan Joe and Jaywell would be in the same position, you know, class wise. You know, Janai Broom compared to Austin Wiley, not as many years in college basketball, but similar production levels and what they're doing and what they will do. Uh, from a point guard perspective, you've got Javon, who's got a little bit of experience playing, you know, coming to Auburn, has had one year in the program before becoming the starter. Then you've got a guy like KD and Samir, the transfers that are kind of the scores, intensity guys, big personalities. And then at the three, you've got the talented freshman coming in. I mean, just looking at the potential starting five, it is extremely similar to 2020. And it's also the fact that it's coming right after an extremely talented team, obviously the Final Four team compared to last year's team. So I, I think that 2020 is just the comparison that makes the most sense to this team. But that 2020 team – and the, the 2020 team had some – they had some growing pains. They had to figure out who their scorer was. They had to figure out if you lean on Samir, if you lean on Javon, if you lean on Isaac in the big moment. They have to. They had to figure all that out. So obviously, this team's gonna have to figure it out. But the issue with last year is that they tried to figure it out, and then the solution that they ended up falling on just didn't really work. And you had Wendell going for the game-winning shot a lot of the time, didn't work. Started going to Jabari. And it started kind of working, but it was kind of too little, too late. Then the Miami train wreck happened, and the season was over. But I do think that that is the most important thing, because this team is good enough to win games in the SEC. Obviously, the SEC is extremely talented. We might not win the regular season. We might. Who knows? We might win the tournament. We might not. Who knows? But this team is very talented. This team will make the tournament easily. Unless there are some major injuries, this team will have no trouble making the tournament. I just think that in order to take that next step and become a the best version this team can be, they have to have that closer. And I think that is the most important thing for Bruce and the staff to figure out in this non-conference play, if if possible. You know, obviously non-conference doesn't typically have, you know, Auburn's non-conference schedule doesn't typically have a ton of really tight games at the end. But if we could identify a closer before conference play starts, that would just be ideal for this team, in my opinion. I definitely – this team strikes me as a tournament team, not a regular season champion team, if that makes sense. Just like what you've been saying, like they are like the 2020 team where it takes a little while and they're going to be – all the guys working together can go win big games. But early on, how is it going to mesh? Are they going to be able to – because that's the only difference between them is the team last year was just in that mesh state from the beginning of the season. And so when you win a bunch early in the SEC, the SEC race is a first-half race. Like, it runs at – the first half of the season determines probably the top three or four teams, and those are the only teams that have a shot at winning the conference. So if you're not ready in the first half of the SEC, you're not going to win the regular season championship. But you can still do great things in the SEC and NCAA tournament, and we peaked too early. I mean, we – we just weren't playing very well when it came to conference time. And so it's really difficult to win a regular season and still be hot at conference tournament time. But, hey, you never know. Yeah, and I, I think that the bottom line is that the, the thing that reaffirmed kind of the thought that some Auburn fans had that was Dash in this Israel foreign tour is that this team – 
is still a really good basketball team. And the transfers and the newcomers are going to fit in talent-wise extremely well. And the bottom line is it's going to be a very fun season, whether we win or anything. And obviously it's extremely early to predict this, but my expectation is 100% for them to exceed what last year's team did in both tournaments. I mean, I don't think I, – I think that winning one game combined in the SEC and NCAA tournaments is not the expectation for this team at all. And so I think that's another – just another thing. Obviously, I don't think their expectations are as high as last year's team was, but this team does have an expectation to represent Auburn well and to win basketball games so it'll be very exciting to see how this team meshes how it plays out and yes just for this team we'll just have to wait until uh november to see him play some basketball and until then we've got uh we got some auburn football to be watching to keep us occupied and hopefully auburn football will not leave us begging for basketball like it did last season but only time will tell hey I felt a lot better about it before the quarterback battle. Go listen to the football episode if you haven't already. It's even got the crack smokers a little worried. But obviously, you know, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. It'll probably be primarily a football-oriented podcast. Um, If anything big happens in basketball, oh, well, before, before we end this podcast, um, Wheeler, I know that we, we talked about this a little bit uh, with the commitment of four-star point guard Aiden Holloway. You, I remember you watched his highlights after I told you to. You were smoking the crack on him. Just real quick, <clears throat> give us some more thoughts about Aiden Holloway just to kind of, you know, after talking about that quarterback battle, we need a little bit more encouragement. So give us just brief synopsis of what you saw from Aiden Holloway in your watching of his highlights. If you thought that I was high on Chance Westry after watching the European or the Israel tour, you need to go back and listen about what I said about Aiden Holloway. This guy, oh my goodness, he is one of the smoothest shooters. I mean, it's just fun to watch. I think that the guys who he's scoring on enjoy being scored on because he's so smooth with it. It's like the most interesting man in the world commercial for Dos Equis. Like, defenders want to be scored on him so they can be on his highlight tape. This guy is just disgusting. He is absolutely filthy. We need a vaccine for him. He is that terrible. Okay, go and watch his highlights right now. Trust me, you'll go get vaxxed immediately. There we go. Aiden Holloway is the future. Wheeler is already smoking the crack as he is in high school, but Wheeler is already predicting one and done NBA player. I'm in the same boat. The guy's an absolute stud, but that's something we'll have to look forward to. But just keep that in mind. Obviously, Bruce Pearl will never let this program be in a bad spot. Program's in a great spot, as always. But again, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back next week, and we're Eagle. Where are you going?